and welcome back to Music Free Static. I hope you're having a fabulous day, and it is time for a really late, well, TV review, actually, today. <laughs> I love these really late reviews. It's like, I finally got around to seeing it. Let's talk about it. And today I want to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1, because I just got to see it because it was on YouTube, because I'm not going to subscribe to Paramount Plus just for Star Trek, though this was really close to getting me to do it, <laughs> because Star Trek is back, baby. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> I've, I've been a fan of Star Trek forever. I watched the original series through reruns. I'm not quite that old. Love Next Gen, love DS9. Voyager was was fun. Uh, Enterprise was fine. Though I don't think I've ever actually seen all of Enterprise. Um, I've got it on disc. I just don't know that I've actually sat down and watched all of the episodes. But they're fun. And what if I I love that Star Trek has as as a series was. It was a show that explored fun sci-fi ideas. It showed that humanity could be better than what it, what it is. Um, imperfect, of course, but we can improve. We can get better over what we are. The latest iterations of Star Trek have not done that. So, so you're starting with the the movie reboots with um, was it Chris Pine as Kirk? Those were fun action movies. I never did see the third one. Um, they were they were fine action movies. They were not good Star Trek. It missed all of the science, all of the all of the sort of philosophical stuff that made Star Trek fun. Because ultimately, Star Trek was a show. It was a science fiction show, unlike Star Wars, which is more of a space fantasy. Um, your space opera a lot, but it's it's not science fiction. I mean, fiction, yes, but it's, there's no real focus on on the science aspect. The speculative fiction isn't there. Star Trek was all about that. When I heard about Discovery, I was sort of excited. Okay, here's another show that could be that could bring Star Trek back because I've missed missed Trek. But I started hearing the reviews. It's like, oh yeah, we're we're just gonna go dark. We're dropping f bombs. It's like yeah, this doesn't sound good to me. And again, I don't subscribe to Paramount Plus, so I don't haven't seen Discovery. Um, Picard, I saw the first season, um, had it on DVD, and man, that show sucked. I, I could dive in deeper into Picard, I'm sure, if I really felt the need, but my problem with Picard is it saw the future as hopeless. That humanity can't grow and is just going to revert to its base barbarism. All right. It was, it was a hopeless show. And that's not what Star Trek was about. That's not the feel of Star Trek, right? It's like saying that in Star Wars that, um, yeah, the Jedi were wrong. The Sith were right the whole time. That's really what it feels like in Picard. Strange New Worlds, on the other hand, is fun. It's hopeful. Again, humanity is not perfect, but it is a it is a it's a crew that is excited to 
to explore the episodes lean into the science fiction aspect of things. Now, there is still a little bit of a, a modern twist. Um, obviously, it's not the 60s morality that, that was in the uh, original series or even what we saw in the 90s with Next Gen. But it was it really felt like all of those series, from the original series to Next Gen to DS9 to Voyager, it had that same overall feel, which is wonderful. I love it. And... A lot of it, you know, comes down, of course, you've got a good crew. No show, no show succeeds if you don't like their characters, right? No show, no movie. If you don't like the characters, it's really hard to get into the movie or the TV show, at least for me, okay? Maybe you're all about characters you hate, but you don't have to worry about that with Strange New Worlds. Captain Pike is fun. He's, he's sort of a different captain than what we've seen in um, most of the other s- series. He's he's fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, but he's he's a little he's a little looser than what you might see from well, definitely from Kirk, definitely from Picard, um, and he's got an interesting twist in that he's trying to overcome trauma, right? So he got a he got a flash of what his life is going to be like in ten years, and and basically he got a got a view of himself in the blinky chair, right? And for those of you who have either not seen it or have only seen um, the original Star Trek episodes, The Cage or The Menagerie, uh, this actually that doesn't even show up in the Cage. It's just the Menagerie. You see, Pike restricted to the to this blinky chair which uh basically he has no control and the chair only gives him the ability to answer yes or no okay uh not a good look for pike <laughs> he's he's and it, it's a bad situation and so he's trying to overcome that and try to live the best life he's he he's got right but there are some interesting things, and the the last episode, episode ten, dives into his some of his trauma with this, and we'll get into that because I I want to talk about episode ten, um, a quality of mercy, uh, quite a bit. So, but we'll deal with that later. Let's continuing on with the crew. I actually I really liked Spock. I what didn't expect to. The the way Leonard Nimoy portrayed Spock in the original series was very specific. And one of the things that I've had some complaints about with the way Spock was portrayed in the recent movies was they wanted to not quite throw out the, the logical stoicism that was mostly Spock and lean into Spock's human emotional side. And that never really worked for me. In Strange New Worlds, they they handle it better. And now they've all wanted to play with, oh, Spock's wrestling with emotions and emotions are a thing and all this stuff. But at least in the first episode or first season, 
Spock was that very logical, stoic person that we got from the original series. Now, from what I'm seeing a little bit of the second season, Paramount Plus put the first episode up on YouTube, so I've watched that. But from what they're showing in the trailers and a comment in that first episode, Spock's barrier to emotion is gone at the moment. So he's he's trying to rebuild that. So apparently we're going to get a more emotional Spock in this second season. And I'm not sure I'm down for that. It all depends on how they do it. Okay. Now, one of the catalysts for that, I mean, I, I think he, he talked about in season two, he, uh, he had to get angry to fight the, the Gorn in the, in season one. And that's what ripped down his barriers. Okay. Well, in uh, season two, he's dealing with that. But what's going to also be pushing him apparently is Nurse Christine Chapel. Now, Chapel's another one of those characters that was in the original series, and they brought her in, and, and she's still Nurse on the Enterprise. She's a good character. Uh, I'm glad they gave her something to do. Uh, more often than not, Chapel was the the prop holder for Dr. McCoy, <laughs> right? And she showed up a couple of other times. Um, you know, she was played by Majel Barrett, who voiced the computer in Next Gen, married Gene Roddenberry, right? All that fun stuff. Played Loxana Troy in Next Gen. Yeah. But she didn't have a lot to do in the original series. I think the most you really see her do something is in, um, oh, it was in the, the episode of Mock Time. Spock is going through Ponfar. She's trying to cheer him up because he's been surly and locked in, in his quarters, basically. And what they're doing is they're taking that sort of that sort of story and and basically having Chapel falling for Spock. Okay, and I think what they're going to try to do is run that ship. Okay, now I I'm not entirely buying it at this point. Uh, but I obviously I haven't seen season two, so I don't know how much of a thing it is. My concern about it is Spock is still trying to do the logical thing. The dude is married, right? Or at least engaged to, to Pring. And fairly certain that whole marriage thing is, is actually happening. And infidelity is not logical. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure where this is going, okay? What are the other... There are a couple of other characters I really liked. Um, La'an, Noonien Singh. One, I like that they explicitly called out that, yeah, she was a descendant from Khan Noonien Singh, who apparently did have kin, kids before he launched himself into space with the rest of his uh, followers follow, following the eugenics wars. And I like that they're able to portray her as being a tough person, without the, the failings that often happen when you have a, a tough woman, is she, she doesn't fall into that witchiness that so often happens, right? She's not a jerk, okay? She, she's firm. You know, she, she can be stubborn and set in her, her 
beliefs that this is right and I will do it because it's right. But she's she's not a jerk, which, one, I like it when characters aren't jerks, <laughs> okay? Now you can have fun with a character who is, and we'll talk about one here in a little bit, but she wasn't. And I really, really liked that. I liked that they had a character, I liked that a female character who could be that strong security chief that they, they've they always wanted and and still be a likable human, right? She can be tough. She, she can put the hammer down on anybody. And, you know, she's gone through trauma with her experience with the Gorn. She's not a, she's not a jerk, and I like that. Speaking of people who are jerks, it can be kind of fun. Uh, their chief engineer, Hammer, who is um, physically blind, but has all of these uh, sort of extra senses and precognition and stuff that allows him to actually do the job he needs to do. He was a jerk, <laughs> okay? Hammer was 100%, but I would have loved to have seen more of him, right? He was, and maybe jerk is the wrong word to describe Hammer. He was definitely grumpy. And you saw, see in the episode, I forgot which one it was. He, um, Uhura as, as a cadet and is cycling around the different departments. Sort of the, hey, get to know everything to be sure you're actually in a place you like. Well, she's doing her cycle with engineering and Hammer's got her doing a bunch of stuff and it, it, it's a very stereotypical plot, at least that side of it, of disaster strikes, the, the mentor is out of commission, and the mentee has to step up and do the work. Guided, perhaps, by the mentor, but she has to do the work. And obviously does a great job and all that stuff. But the one that really was fun is they, there was an episode where the doctor's kid, who he's been, basically had her locked in a transporter cycle because of an incurable disease, and he he has he beams her out periodically to to check on her, do tests, that type of thing, and then puts her back. Okay, wonderful. But she is dying, and dying quickly. Well, they end up in a place where some super power intelligent life form, Dealy Bob, picks up on her and her love of this one particular uh, fantasy story. And most of the crew gets sucked in being characters in the story. The the two that aren't are her father, who is the ends up playing the king and the main character in the book, and the engineer hammer who is a wizard but he know he's just as clueless as everybody else like why is everybody in costume and thinking they're knights and stuff <laughs> right and that was really fun he, hammer's leaning into the wizard role with the magic of science it was hilarious i loved it i would have loved to have seen more hammer and it's not going to happen Okay, which said, I it saddens me because I would have liked to have seen more. He was a character that you could have really there was some meat to that character that we just did not get to. Okay, 
the other characters were fine. Um, Una was existed. Um, <laughs> she wasn't a bad character, but I never really felt we got the depth f- for her yet. And part of that, I think, is coming here in uh, season two. And it's not that I felt like she was like a cardboard cutout or something. It just. She was. She was your basic Starfleet. I am here. I am in command or second in command. She's number one, right? The first officer. What defined her is her normalness, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, right? Yes, she has an illegal backstory, which is apparently a big deal in season two. But beyond that, she is just the the solid rock, okay? And that's fine, but rocks aren't particularly interesting. One of the characters who... His existence on the ship bugs me a little bit, and that is Sam Kirk. George Samuel Kirk is the brother, the older brother, of James Tiberius, all right? And while James T. Kirk went on to be one of the most famous captains in Starfleet, in the original series, Sam Kirk was a research biologist. And he was part of colonizing efforts on the planet uh, Deneva, which you find out about in episode 29 of the of the first season of the original series, Operation Annihilate, I believe is the title. And Sam and, and Jim, they get on just fine, other than, you know, typical brotherly stuff, right? But Sam Kirk was a, said he was a research biologist. He was a colonist. Now, that doesn't preclude a a career in Starfleet prior to that. Maybe he's still working for Starfleet when he's on Deneva. Um, he's we don't know this. Uh, this, as far as we know, seems to predate his marriage, um, which Operation Annihilate starts with Kirk. Basically, um, there's a there's a distress call. Uhura is trying to raise the uh, colony on official channels. He's not giving them, or she's not getting anything. Kirk gives Uhura, basically, um, basically gives her the the private phone number for uh, for Kirk's family, Sam Kirk's family, and to get a hold of his wife, sort of, and then the tr- transmission's cut off. Again, that happens at least 10 years later. So it's certainly possible here that Sam Kirk is, this was his career before he hands up on Deneva. Um, Said we don't know if he's married or not at this point, but it just felt weird for him to be on, be on enterprise because I never really got the feeling that at least according to the original candidate, he was ever in Starfleet. Now, to be fair, I haven't watched that episode of uh, the original series all the way through. I just watched a little bit just to uh, refresh my memory of like, wait a minute, I remember Sam Kirk. This was where he was at, right? So 
you know, I fully, uh, I'll fully accept that I could be wrong here, but it just felt a little bit odd. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the episodes, and I'm not going to dig into all of them, but there are a couple that I'd like to, a couple that I'd really like to touch on. First one I'd like to talk about is episode two. Now, this one features Uhura, right? She, Uhura is a cadet, obviously skilled in linguistics, knows 30-something-odd languages, not entirely sure she actually wants to be in Starfleet, but she's sort of, she's still digging into it. The, the basic plot is it, this comet is flying through space and is going to hit a planet and kill the all life on that planet. Obviously, the Enterprise would like to avoid that situation, even though the the life, the, the species living on that planet knows, it's basically um, Stone Age-ish, right? Definitely, <laughs> definitely pre-warp. They were they, not an advanced civilization, to, to say the least. So they get there. Turns out this uh, comet is actually something else. There's a ship that's escorting it that's been cloaked that does not appreciate Enterprise interfering it with, with this uh, this thing in any way. But one of the things I really liked about it is, one, it allowed Uhura to shine with her linguistics. But more than linguistics, it I liked how it used music as the communication tool. And Uhura was always a musician. You see her a few times in the original series um, singing and stuff. She and, she and Spock occasionally um, pair up with her singing and, and Spock playing the Vulcan harp. Okay. So, fun stuff. And I really liked how they were able to lean into music that way. It's like, ah, yes. Music is how we communicate with this thing. So it was very cool, and the way it, the way they made that whole situation work was, I thought, was fun. And most of the episodes, most of the episodes have that same quality of. This is Star Trek. Here's a basic sci-fi premise, and let's watch the crew deal with it. Now there are a few episodes that are less focused on that. Um, the Gorn are the big bad of the series, right? The original series, it was the Klingons. Um, in DS9, it was the Cardassians and the Dominion. In Voyager, it was a whole series of people. It was the Borg and a bunch of others. Next Gen, it didn't really have one big bad for the entire series, but for, you'd have a season that it was the Romulans or a season that it was the Cardassians or, you know, different things. But for Strange New Worlds, it's the Gorn. Now, the one good thing I can say about the Gorn is they don't look like a miniature Godzilla. So <laughs> as much as I like that one episode of the original series, boy, that costume looks like it was from a, a 60s sci-fi show. <laughs> it was not fabulous. So I kind of like what they're 
building up with the Gorn. Now, there's a non-canon board game that was out for years. It was um, Starfleet Battles. And Starfleet Battles was a... It was a um, strategy game based around starship combat. And it was a very pencil and paper heavy game. It was it was fun, but a little tedious given the given the way it worked. But in that game, which again it was not entirely canon, but like a lot of things, Star Trek was uh canon adjacent, I suppose. The Gorn are part of the Federation. Or at least Federation allies. So it kind of bugs me going back against that, all that history. It's like, oh yeah. Oh no, no. The Gorn, they suck, man. <laughs> and in the original series, when Kirk fights the Gorn, it's, it's like he's never seen them before. So we're, we're retconning that here just a little bit. But this is... This is still sort of a different timeline, I suppose. So we'll we'll see. But still, it's it's fun. Um, I've I liked those episodes. So you know, we'll see, we'll see, and eventually I'll get to see this next season, and I'm looking forward to that. But the last episode I want to talk about in the what little time we've got left, I don't want these this episode to go on too long. But the last episode was uh, episode 10, A Quality of Mercy, which was the season finale for A Strange New Worlds. One of the ongoing storylines was, of course, Pike dealing with the fact that he knows he's going to die or end up in a face, fate worse than death, save, uh, trying to save these uh, five cadets or five officers. And he's, the show opens with him writing a letter to this kid to tell him, hey, maybe don't be there. Here's what's going to happen. And somehow, again, this is very Star Trekian hand-waving, Admiral Pike comes back from the future to tell Captain Pike not to do this. And you get a very, it's a wonderful life type story of here's what would happen right here's what happens if you screw with the timeline or if you use your knowledge of the future and screw this stuff up and they fast forward 10 years pike has avoided that accident and he's now he's still in command of the enterprise and goes into what is in the original series, episode 14, Balance of Terror. Obviously, Pike is still in command, not James T. Kirk. And it was kind of fun. I started watching this episode. It's like, I have seen this episode before. <laughs> right? Once it start, flashes forward, it's like, I have totally seen this before. It starts with a wedding. And just like Balance of Terror does, and the the whole, the main plot is there's a Romulan warbird that has been decloaking and destroying Federation outposts in, on the Federation side of the neutral zone. 
okay? They're basically testing the Federation's strength and resolve, which the Romulans do from time to time. Pike shows up and tries to be diplomatic with the Romulans, which ultimately fails horribly and plunges the uh, Federation into a very long, drawn-out war with the Romulans. But it was fun watching the parallels between the, the two shows. Right? Ortegas, who is the um, helmsman, fills Sulu's seat in, in Strange New Worlds. She takes the role of a dude named Styles, who was the navigator in the original series, of basically being a Romulan-hating bigot. Um, Styles had a little harder than Ortega's, but it's the same idea. And when they find out that Romulans are actually an offshoot of Vulcans, some of that bigotry in the original series goes hard against Spock. But in um, Strange New Worlds, it's not quite that harsh. Okay. Um, you see Pike and Kirk using similar tactics in the two different timelines paralleling the uh, Romulans and such. There's actually a, a, a discussion. You ba basically get a, a meeting with the senior staff, which happens often in Star Trek. And it's like, all right, what do we do? Do we attack them? Do we negotiate? All this stuff. And Spock encourages an attack in both timelines using basically the same speech. Yeah, I went back and watched Balance of Terror last night just to just to refresh because, oh, yes, here's all of the, here's here's where everything sort of lines up, right? Okay, Strange New Worlds, the original series, oh, yeah, they're definitely following the same script here. Spock even ends up in the phaser room. The difference is that in the original series, he's rescuing people, including the bigot Styles, but in Strange New Worlds, Enterprise does not fare nearly as well, and Spock dies. Okay. You even see James Kirk in Strange New Worlds. He's in command of uh, Farragut, which uh, is destroyed by the, the Romulans. And I wasn't particularly thrilled with how they portrayed Kirk in Strange New Worlds. They portrayed him as being almost bloodthirsty. That's not quite, but very, very aggressive. Now, in the original series, yeah, Kirk, definitely, his his choice is, all right, we attack the Romulans, and let's, let's end this. Partly on Spock's recommendation that if we don't, it'll be a sign of weakness, and the Romulans will invade the uh, Federation, which is what they show with... Um, with Pike and his decision. But Kirk, while he was aggressive in that, okay, we have to attack and stop this Romulan before he gets back across the border. He's not, he's not as confident as they want to show him in the, in strange new worlds. Cause you, you see him constantly or frequently anyway, questioning his choice to, um, to attack this ship rather than try diplomacy or something else. And he's unsure whether or not he's actually going to start a war with his actions. Okay. Ultimately, he doesn't, of course, but 
you see that sort of contemplative side. And Balance of Terror is an excellent episode of the back and forth and the strategy between starships, which is similar to the old World War II submarine movies where you've got a submarine stalking each other. Same type of thing in Balance of Terror. You get a little bit of it in Quality of Mercy. This is uh, yeah, the Strange New Worlds episode, but you really, they really leaned into it in the in the original series. So it was fun, and from what I've seen of uh, the trailer, at least for season two, James T. Kirk does show up again. Of course, this is 10 years prior, so he is still a uh, still a younger kid, but not in the he's a child sense, but he's, a, he's still a young officer rather than being, was apparently the youngest captain in Starfleet. But it was fun. I mean, I've seen a number of, of Star Trek episodes that, that tried to really uh, lean into original series lore. But this is the first one, I think, that that I really liked how they played with it and you see, oh yeah, Kirk was right. Because too often you, they like to portray Kirk as, well, what he was. Sort of the uh, action-adventure playboy. <laughs> Not quite. Kirk was Kirk was a good officer, apparently. But, but it was fun. I liked how they did that. And just seeing, watching that episode, it's like, yes, I have seen this before. I, I, I kind of feel this is where they're going with it. It was fun. Having seen episode one of season two, um, that's looking interesting. Though, apparently episode two is one of my least favorite types of Star Trek episode is the courtroom drama. Ah, man, those are some of the most boring episodes in Star Trek. Sometimes there's some cool Trekkian philosophy stuff there, but man, those episodes are boring. And preachy more often than not. And I, I just get tired of that. So, But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in season two. Um, probably next year when I get it on disc. Uh, you know. So I would say if you are a fan of Star Trek, if you were a fan of the original run of Star Trek, the original series, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, right? Strange New Worlds very much has that feel. And I love it. This is the first time in a long time I've been excited about Star Trek. So so check that out. If you've got comments, things you've liked, thoughts, whatever, um, you can drop them in the comments on YouTube. I'll definitely see those. Um, I'm not sure how podcasting platforms will let you do that. but um, Or join the Discord. There's... I'll try to drop a link in the description and we can talk because I like Star Trek and it's fun and Strange New Worlds has been great. So until next time, live long and prosper. And this is Music Free Static signing off.